Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Let's go into Mark chapter 6, verse 30. I'm going to read a passage of scripture there. We are in a series that is called Above All. Our series is called Above All. And throughout this series, we've been looking at the various miracles that Jesus did here on earth while he was here in his time on earth. And we are doing that to, to, to learn more about him because when we see what he's done, we see who he is. When we see what he has done, we see who he is. So today we want to continue on with this very well-known passage of scripture, although I think we're going to see it through a fresh lens today. The book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 30, and it reads as follows. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and what they had taught. Then Jesus said, let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. There were so many people in coming and going that Jesus and his apostles, they didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quieter spot. Come on, how many of you like quiet places? Sometimes it's good to just get away. Verse 33, but many people saw them leaving and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and met them as they landed. A vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Jesus had compassion on this large crowd because he perceived them to be sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? The disciples responded. It would take a small fortune to buy enough food for all of this crowd. They asked him, so Jesus asked them, how much food do you have? Go and find it. They came back and reported, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the crowd to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat in groups of 50 or 100. Then Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and asked God's blessing on the food. Breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples to give to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted and they picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. 5,000 men had eaten from those five Loaves. I want to talk to you for the next few moments on this thought. How is your soul? How is your soul? Come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these moments that we share. We are so grateful, Lord, for this time to now dive into your word. We are grateful for the worship that's already gone forward. And we now pray that you would just speak to us out of the power of your word. We are hungry to hear from you, thirsty to receive from you. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. How 
is your soul. My family and I just got back from a week-long vacation. We were crazy enough to actually go on a road trip, even in the midst of this pandemic that we were living through. We, we, know, we know that school is starting soon, and we just had to get away. And so we went through the state of Arizona to go see the Grand Canyon. We went up into Utah to see Zion. We just had an incredible time together traveling through Arizona, Utah, and Nevada, and we saw some amazing sights. We we wanted to get over to the Grand Canyon, as I said. We wanted to see Horseshoe Bend, and we wanted to see Zion. We saw a few things along the way as well, but those were our big markers. And like every good preacher, as we're going through um, our vacation, I, I couldn't help but take note of all these stories that would make for some great sermon illustrations. I know, I know, it's 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 it's, it's so it's so typical, but 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 let me give you one if I can. Uh, we were going to go to Horseshoe Bend from the Grand Canyon and normally you would drive east from the Grand Canyon and take the road that would shoot you north right up to Horseshoe Bend. Now when we got to the furthest east part of the Grand Canyon as we could, we were surprised to see that the roads were closed and due to COVID-19 they had shut down the access roads to go through the Navajo Indian Reservation in order to get to that northbound road to get you up to the Horseshoe Bend. And I remember telling my wife, honey, you're not going to believe this, um, but this 75-minute trip, it's now looking like it's going to take us four hours to get there because we had to go back west and then south and then east and then finally go back north. Now, now, really, this was you know very early on in our trip, so we were still uh, full of good spirits and high hopes. So we said, okay, four hours, let's make the best of it, let's go. So we got in the car and we went and we're now making our way to Horseshoe Bend. And um, the closer we got to it, the more we realized that we were about to get to Horseshoe Bend right about sunset. Now, initially, we were very bummed. We were very disappointed to find out that we had just added four hours to our trip. Because again, where we were at, we were about 75 minutes away. We would have been there in just over an hour. But that detour was going to cost us an extra four hours. But as we got close to Horseshoe Bend, we actually got really excited thinking that, you know what, we're going to get to this place right at sunset and it's going to look pretty amazing to see this incredible sight right during the golden hour and isn't that just like life sometimes where you get the good with sometimes the not so good the bad comes but then the good comes right alongside that and that's what I find right here in our story as we get to the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So now now we know that story, but let me preface some of that for you because context is everything in the scriptures. Context is everything in the scriptures. In verse 6 of Mark chapter 6, we see uh, Jesus sending out his 12 disciples to go and teach and do miracles and to go into the highways and the byways and the nearest villages and do what they saw Jesus doing. Jesus said, now it's your turn. He, he sent his disciples in verse 6 of this chapter to go and do the things that he had taught them to do. This is like the equivalent of the pastor of the church giving the keys to the church van to the youth pastor and saying, now go and have a good time with the other members of the youth. And so off they went and it was an incredible um, opportunity for them to begin to exercise their faith as they had been growing and, and learning and maturing as Jesus followers. Now, while they're out, having a great time. The Bible then weaves in the story of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was in prison 
And he was a prisoner of Herod because he was preaching things that Herod didn't want him to preach. But Herod had no plans on killing John the Baptist, but at the requests of his wife, John the Baptist was executed and his execution was by beheading. So Herod had John the Baptist's head chopped off. And when you get to the passage here in Mark chapter 6, verse 30, there is this merging of events because the disciples of John ran to Jesus to tell him, Jesus, your, 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 your cousin, John the Baptist, is, is, is dead. And then meanwhile, his disciples come running in and said, oh my God, Jesus, we had the most incredible time. We got to tell you everything that just happened on our journey. And that's where our story picks up, where bad news and good news intersect. And the Bible says this, when, when they came to Jesus and he learned about his cousin John, and at the same time, his disciples are coming back excited from their, from their voyage, Jesus said, let's get away from the crowds for a while. We need to rest. And that's the first point that I really want to make right now. Our response to both the high moments and the low moments of life should be rest. Let's say that again. Our response to high moments and low moments of life should be rest. Now, I want to illustrate a little more about John the Baptist so you understand the severity of everything that's just happened. Because... When they came and brought the news to Jesus that John the Baptist had died, this is not Jesus finding out that some crazy cousin from a faraway land that Jesus hopes to never see only at family reunions had died. No, no, no. There's, there's context here. See, Jesus and John, they shared a special relationship because their mothers were pregnant at the same time. And, and when Elizabeth, John's mother, was pregnant with John the Baptist, he was actually dead in his mother's womb. And when Mary had found out that she was pregnant with the Messiah, she ran to Elizabeth's house not knowing that Elizabeth had not felt her baby move in weeks when Mary walked into the room, all of a sudden the baby inside her womb, the Bible says that he leapt. And all of a sudden that baby that she thought was dead came alive. And, and this was the, the, the closeness of Jesus and John. If you would go further when they were both now young men, John would, would be a preacher preaching in the wilderness, but he would tell others that there is one who is coming that is greater than I. And so John was preparing the way for his cousin Jesus, the Messiah. And you can now just imagine the grief that Jesus is feeling when they bring to him the news that his cousin, who had been in prison for all this time, has now gone on to heaven. And the way that he died was excruciating. Herod had his head chopped off. Now, now that you understand the severity of, of that, let, let's go back to what we talked about a minute ago with these disciples. Now, I want you to get this because we're trying to frame up these events. These disciples had been sent off to go and minister. And when they come home, for those of you who've been in the church long enough, it's like when the youth would get back from youth camp. Come on, how many been in the church long enough to remember when the youth would come back from youth camp? They are all 
fired up, right? They come back and they're telling stories of, of visions that they've had and prophecy that they've received. Maybe they cast out a devil, spoke in other tongues, all kinds of crazy things that we just absolutely love. And, and, and that's what it was like when the disciples walk into the room. They are, they are just high on emotion and they're telling Jesus stories. And then this happened. And then I said this, and then this, and this. It was like, oh, Jesus, you had to have been there. <laughs> now imagine that for a second, telling Jesus you had to have been there. And he's like, oh, I'm not impressed. You know, and so they're telling him all of these things are happening. And, and in this moment, Jesus is flooded with joy and grief. He's happy because he's he's hearing the information of his disciples. And like any good parent or or a good teacher or good mentor, you celebrate when people that you've poured into, when your children are rejoicing, you celebrate with them. And yet at the same time, Jesus is dealing with with grief and he tells them the same words that I believe apply to us today when he says we've got to go and get some rest we've got to go and get some rest because we live in an overstimulated world of information we live in this overstimulated world of information. We, we carry more information than I believe our souls were designed to carry. I was listening to um, this podcast recently and it talked about how the way that we were designed, uh, the way that each person is designed, we, we really are only designed to carry about 150 relationships. That's it. And some of your friend lists on social media are several times that. And so many of us carry much more than we were designed to carry. And, and, and what happens is we live in this world of information that when we receive good news, we want to share it. And then when we receive bad news, we want to publicly grieve as well. But Jesus, upon receiving both the good news and the sad news, he tells his disciples, we've got to get away and we have got to find a place of rest. Because rest is the antidote to a hurried life. Rest will balance your emotions and rest will allow you to process your thoughts before you react. Many of us react without even taking time to process our thoughts. But you see throughout the ministry of Jesus that he would take these periodic rests. If you go all the way back to creation, God in creation paused on the seventh day and he rested. Rest isn't just for when we are tired, but rest is the solution for emotional highs and emotional lows. So I ask you this simple question. How is your soul? If you're watching from home right now and you're watching with someone next to you, why don't you ask them that question? How is your soul? Are you rested or are you running on empty? Are you stretching yourself through too thin? Are you busy on your grind that you've lost the quiet moments with God in order to process his next step for your life? Let's say that again. Are you so busy that you no longer have quiet moments with God where you can process his next step for your life. So let me say to you what Jesus said to his disciples. Get away from the crowds and take a break. Get away from the noise 
and rest. Now, let me come back to you. I'll come, up, come back to that next step in just a moment. Now, now Jesus would not have too much time to rest. The Bible says, he tells the disciples, we got to get away. It's just crazy. So they got on a boat and they began to sail. So they had some time alone. They have some time where it's just them. There's no more crowds. But the Bible says when they land where they were going, they, they, they got to the seashore and there was a whole bunch of people waiting for them. So Jesus tried to get away. They had a little bit of time alone, but the minute they got to seashore from their journey... The Bible says there was vast crowds there. And I want to pick on verse 34 of that passage that we read earlier. It says, a vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. I want to pull on that for a second. They were sheep without a shepherd. And I believe the reason we find this description here And I believe it's specifically used to talk about this crowd. And here's the reason why. Just a minute ago, we talked about John the Baptist. He was he was killed inside of the prison. But but here's what the Bible tells us about John the Baptist. John the Baptist would preach in the wilderness and the Bible said crowds would come to him. You see, John the Baptist was perceived to be a prophet. And because he was and because they hadn't seen a prophet in 400 years, he was gathering a crowd. And so when Jesus steps off the boat, the crowd that he perceives to be sheep without a shepherd, can I submit to you this was John's crowd? Can I submit to you that these were those who followed John? These these were now the people that sat at John's feet. The Bible said that John had his own disciples. There you find them in the book of Acts, they were the disciples of John the Baptist. Now 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 these these sheep no longer have a shepherd. Because John's been killed. And so this is what I believed moved Jesus to compassion. Because as he sees this crowd, he's thinking to himself, this is, this is my cousin's congregation, if you will. These are the followers of my cousin. So, so he, he looks out. And I believe this is why he was so moved with compassion. Because the grief is written all over their faces. And the grief is written on their hearts. And with nowhere else to go, these people said, well, why don't we go follow John's cousin Jesus? Because John told us he was next. And John said, he's even greater than I. And so they were looking for a new teacher. Now let's go back to what I just said a minute ago. Rest prepares you for your next assignment. You might want to write that down. Rest prepares you for your next assignment. Jesus, up until this point in time, watch this now, Jesus was operating under the shadow of John the Baptist. But now that John the Baptist had been removed, Jesus's ministry was about to accelerate at a much faster pace. You've got to understand, John was a spectacle. The way, that Bible, the way that the Bible describes John the Baptist, they said he was a wild man. He wore the garments of animals. He ate locusts and honey. And this, this guy would prophesy. And he was spot on. And so much of the light, if you will, much, much of the lights during Jesus' time were still on John the Baptist until John was gone. And now all the lights were squarely on Jesus. The reason Jesus took a break, I believe, is because he knew, because he is the omnipotent God, that his ministry was about to take its next step. You have got to rest in order to prepare you for the next assignment that God has on your life. 
And when you don't get rested, here's the danger. You will, be, you will step on the platforms and not be prepared. Jesus rested because his ministry was about to accelerate and he was about to go into a new place. And too many people don't get enough rest. And when the next assignment comes knocking at their door, they are not ready. They are not prepared. And they've not developed the character necessary to withstand the weight of the platform that God is calling them to. And you can never stay on a platform that your calling has put you on if your character is not there to hold you up. But Jesus understood the value of rest. And when his ministry was getting ready to take a step forward, Jesus had just spe finished spending quiet time with the Father, preparing his soul for whatever was going to come next. So let me ask you again, how is your soul? How is your soul? Now, now let's get to the punchline to the story. And I'm starting to wind this down now. The miracle in this story is that Jesus fed these 5,000 men, not to mention women and children, these, these 5,000 people who I'm suggesting many of which were former disciples of John that were looking for a new teacher. And, and he's getting ready to feed them, but he doesn't have much supplies. All he's got is some loaves of bread and two fish. Not nearly enough. But in all four of the Gospels, you'll find this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll find this in all four of the uh, Gospel accounts. Here, here, here's what they say. That, that Jesus blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave the bread. Jesus blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave the bread. And in this moment, the bread in the hands of Jesus was symbolic of Jesus's life in the hands of the Father. I'll explain it to you this way. Jesus was undoubtedly blessed to hear the stories of his disciples when the disciples got back and they were telling him, Jesus, we did this, Jesus, we did this. That was a moment where Jesus was blessed and he had several moments of blessing in his ministry. But then came the heartbreaking news that his son, his, his cousin John had died. And this was when we see Jesus broken. It's, it's the pain and the agony of learning that your loved one has suffered an excruciating death. And it's crushing. It breaks a man. So he's blessed. He's broken. Watch this. But in the end, after the highs and the lows, Jesus gave. Come on, someone type, someone, someone type gave into the comment section right now. Jesus gave of himself to the people and he served them. The Bible says that he taught the crowd. He healed the crowd. And when they were hungry, he fed the crowd. Listen, Jesus blessed, broke, and he gave the bread. The father blessed, broke, and he gave his son, Jesus. And I believe that we are in a collective moment as a church family. As I said at the beginning of our sermon, we are ramping up as a church. We believe that God has given us territory. We believe that God is preparing us for something so great. He, he's, he's calling Lighthouse Church North County into a new assignment. And I just feel in my spirit that things are going to begin to accelerate for our church. They're going to accelerate. They're going to accelerate. They're going to accelerate. 
But I'm going to ask you, how was your soul? How was your soul? Are you getting the rest that you need? Because if you don't get that rest, and when God starts to accelerate this church, it's enough to break a man. It's enough to break a woman. How was your soul? Are you spending time with the Father? Are you spending quiet moments with Him? It is only then that you're able to, to sustain the blessing, the breaking, and the giving of yourself away. Because make no mistake, just like the Father blessed, broke, and gave His Son, we too can put our lives in the hands of the Father and He will bless us, there will be breaking, and ultimately He will give us a way to be used as vessels serving His kingdom. And I don't know about you, but it's my desire to see this happen in my life too. I shared with my wife as we were driving um, home yesterday from our trip, I, I told her, I said, you know, the one thing that I've learned in this quarantine is how to grieve. I've learned how to grieve. Because if I'm honest with you, the first year of our church launch has been phenomenal. We just celebrated a year in March. And, and, and man, I, I'm just got to tell you, I'm so thankful for all the blessings we've received as a brand new church. But, but now, since the one year, we've had some setbacks. We've hit some speed bumps. Obviously, along with every other church, we're not in a building together right now. That's just one. But there's been other things along the way that have felt like a blow, that have felt like a blow. And we've experienced loss. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had to bury my grandmother. She passed away um, because of COVID-19. And, and so I've learned how to grieve in this season. We had an incredible first year where it felt like, come on, this whole church planting thing is easy. But I knew, I knew rough days would come. And church, can I tell you that we've, rode the wave of blessing but there's some breaking that's happening now but that breaking is necessary in order to get to the place where God can give us away and I believe that that's what God is positioning us for to give us away to serve this city to serve our community to serve the North County to be used for God's glory I want to lead you in prayer right there where you're at Father we're so thankful Lord If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.